informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Happy Easter. Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. It is Tuesday, April the 19th, 2022. Praise be to God. Well, uh, I can't wait because coming up at 15 past the hour, I want to talk about, uh, it's going to be a fairly serious subject, I would imagine, but you might remember that today, April the 19th, back in 1775, was the shot that was heard around the world, kicking off a world war, really. The American Revolution, which included not only England, but France as well, and others, and, uh, and how that ties into our time. Right? I'm going to talk about that coming up at 15 past the hour. But at 35 past the hour, we're going to talk about drinking. Okay, not really. We're going to talk about feasting. We fasted for a while, but let's talk about how we feast as Catholics. To do that, we've invited Dr. Michael Foley. He is a professor of patristics at Baylor University, Catholic, and a mixologist. He's got a whole series of books out called Drinking with the Saints, and he's coming up at 35 past the hour to uh, to talk about Catholic feasting. Praise be to God. So it's going to be a full hour this hour. Speaking of feasting, a, a good news, bad news, Adrian. I know. Uh, what's the bad news? Uh, the bad news is you no longer get to wear your mask on airplanes. What? <laughs> I, know, I can't. I can't wear. Oh I, no! I know, I know, but I know. I know that's important to you. How I know, much you it really you loved really is. loved wearing your mask. That's why I bought a airplanes. whole bag of lollipops <laughs> so I could eat them during the during my flights. Speaking of which, good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Speaking of lollipops, good, uh, good morning, Joe. <laughs> oh, you brought yours. Oh no! <laughs> I haven't worn this jacket in a while, and uh, Rudy's got, got his a mask, mask on. Here, so, <laughs> uh, too funny. Too oh, funny. Man. Praise be to God. Well, good news this morning, major U.S. airlines. And Amtrak, just so you know, because if you're in the Northeast, Amtrak is still a very important part of your life, mm-hmm. uh, have dropped the mask mandate now that a judge has uh, said uh, it's uh, no longer doable. And the TSA has announced they are no longer going to be oh, enforcing the mask mandate. Let's I can go. finally fly. Yeah. I think that yeah. deserves a... It, does, it does, does deserve a little bit of celebration. Honestly, uh, this is a, an Easter up. miracle, you know? <laughs> you know, <laughs> praise be to God. <laughs> Praise be to God. Well, uh, you know, it, there is a celebration to be had for sure, but I, I'm also reminded about uh, the suffering of so many people mm-hmm. around the world. Shanghai still is just in, in dire straits right now. So many people, 26 million residents in Shanghai and the food shortage there with their zero COVID policy and lockdowns forcing people to stay in their homes. And the suicides now are are skyrocketing in that city because people are just starving themselves to insanity. So let's pray for those that are still suffering so much today. Uh, Lots to cover today, for sure. Praise be to God. We're going to have a great show. Uh, We are looking forward to it. So much to talk about. You know, I did see, you know, I was going to cover some of the stories coming out of the Ukraine still, but there's so much conflicting information. It really comes down to the news sources that you, you take in. As to the perspective that you are given, that is so, so true. So I have tried to gone out of my way to look at sources on both sides of the equation, and it really is a very complex 
story over there. You've got the uh, Washington Post finally admitting that, yes, Nazis are running a militia in the Ukraine. <laughs> and, yes, we are now sending them artillery shells and, and howitzers and ammunition and trucks and helicopters. They're not a part of the, the NATO. They're not a part of the EU. But somehow, some way, we are training their people and providing them arms and, and whatnot. It gets complicated by the day uh, over there. Who's right? Who's wrong? I think the losers are the individual citizens that have to sort through it all. But exactly. Lots to pray for in that regard. Uh, but I do want to talk about some of the other stuff going on. So I'm looking forward to that at 15 past the hour. Anything on your radar, Rudy? Well, uh, again, the mask mandate, that's incredible. Um, you know, I do have a story here about, uh, about Ukraine, about uh, Syrian fighters perhaps joining the war. On, on whose Russia's side? side? I was going to ask because that's right. Russia did come to their aid, right? Yeah, uh, against Iran. Exactly. I forgot about so that. That's yeah. that's an interesting story and uh, a major escalation of truth. Right. Well, let's uh, let's escalate things by inner by going into prayer and uh, asking the Queen of Heaven and Earth to pray and intercede for all of us in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come. Before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now you're breaking stories with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Tuesday, April 18th, and these are your headlines. The Hill reports TSA not enforcing travel mask mandate after judge strikes it down. The agencies are reviewing the decision and assessing potential next steps, a Biden administration official said. In the meantime, today's court decision means the CDC's public pr transportation masking order is not in effect. Ah, a massive win for free breathers. Epic Times reports oil prices near a three-week high as supply worries dominate market sentiment. Crude oil prices were trading close to a three-week high amidst fears of supply disruption due to the ongoing Ukraine crisis. Brent crude oil futures hit a high of $113.80 per barrel, a level unseen since the end of March. The disruption in Libyan oil supply also added upward pressure on the market. The country's National Oil Corporation warned that it can no longer fulfill obligations for oil deliveries from its Sahara oil field due to political disruptions. AP reports, Syrian fighters ready to join next phase of Ukraine war. So far, only a small number appears to have arrived in Russia for military training, although the Kremlin boasted that there was a large interest from Middle Eastern volunteers. U.S. officials say there hasn't been a significant contingency from Syria joining the war in Ukraine. Analysts, however, say this could change as Russia prepares for the next phase of battle with a full-scale offensive in eastern Ukraine. They believe fighters from Syria are more likely to be deployed in coming weeks, especially after Putin named General Alexander Dvornikov, who commanded the Russian military in Syria as a new war commander in Ukraine. And Just the News reports, Big Tech speech police ignored years of threats, racial slurs, by New York terror suspect. Journalists and internet sleuths documented videos, memes, and other posts by James on one or more YouTube and Facebook accounts going back years, and as recently as this week, that likely violated their content policies. These tweets mostly linked to his other social media. In one post, 
James claimed to have been treated in a New York mental health facility that practices, quote, the kind of violence that would make a child go and get a gun and shooting expletives. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. <coughs> the saints of the day are Saint Expeditus and Saint Timon. Let's see if you uh, are keeping up with your Bible reading and recognize that second saint there. Saint Expeditus was probably born in Armenia. He was a Christian martyr, one of six Roman soldiers said to have been executed at Melantene during the Diocletian persecution. If he was stationed in Melantene at the beginning of the 4th century, he was likely to have been a member of the Legio 12. According to tradition, Expeditus was a Roman centurion in Armenia who became a Christian and was beheaded in AD 303. The day he decided to become a Christian, the devil took the form of a crow. And in other legends, they say he took the form of a snake. But in his statuary, he's shown crushing the head of a crow. And he's told, and they told him, the devil, told him to defer his conversion until the next day. Expeditus stamped on the bird and killed it, declaring, I'll be a Christian today. And so he became the patron saint against procrastination. Saint Timon was one of the seven deacons chosen by the apostles to assist in the ministering to the Nazarene community of Jerusalem. He was mentioned in Acts of the Apostles, chapter 6, verse 5, although there are traditions that are confusing him with others. The seven, often known as the seven deacons, were leaders elected by the early Christian church to minister to the community of believers in Jerusalem to enable the apostles to concentrate on prayer and ministry of the word and to address a concern raised by Greek-speaking believers about their widows being overlooked in the daily diaconia or ministry. Timon was said to have been a Hellenized Jew who became a bishop in Greece or in Basra, Syria. In the latter account, his preaching brought the ire of the local governor, who martyred him with fire. Saints Expeditus and Saint Timon pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 20, verses 11 through 18. Mary Magdalene stayed outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she bent over into the tomb and saw two angels in white sitting there, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken my Lord, and I don't know where they laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus there, but did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? She thought it was the gardener and said to him, Sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you laid him, and I will take him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Stop holding on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them, I am going to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and then reported what he had told her, the gospel of the Lord. 
praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Gregory the Great had a lot to say on this passage today. Let's just scratch the surface a little bit here. He says, quote, she, she sought the body and found it not. She persevered and seeking, and so it came to pass that she found. Her longings growing the stronger, the more they were disappointed, at last found and laid hold on their object. For holy longings ever gain strength by delay. Did they not? They would not be longings. Mary so loved that not content with seeing the sepulcher, she stooped down and looked in. Let us see the fruit which came of this persevering love. Close quote, St. Gregory the Great. So, are you seeking but not yet finding? Are you persevering and not yet giving up? That's the lesson there from St. Gregory the Great and Mary Magdalene. He goes on to say, quote, The angel sits at the head when the apostles preach that in the beginning was the word. He sits, as it were, at the feet when it is said the word was made flesh. By the two angels, too, we may understand the two testaments, both of which proclaim, like uh, the incarnation, death and resurrection of our Lord. The old seems to sit at the head, the new at the feet. Close quote, St. Gregory the Great. But yet he goes on to talk about the gardener, Adam, the new Adam in a garden tomb. You know, this tomb, as John's gospel points out, was in a garden. And you have this figure of the new man, as St. Paul would say, the new Adam there in his garden sanctuary with whom he calls the woman, the woman representing his spouse, that is the bride of Christ, the church. So it's a beautiful image that we're giving here, taking us straight back to the Garden of Eden there. Even Bede points out mystically, Mary, which name signifies mistress, enlightened, enlightener, star of the sea, stands for the church, which is also Magdalene, i.e. towered. As we read in Psalms, thou hast been a strong tower for me, in that she announced Christ's resurrection to the disciples. All, especially those to whom the office of preaching is committed, are admonished to be zealous in the setting forth to others whatever is revealed from above. Close quote, Venerable Bede, pray for us. There is so much to dive into here. Gregory the Great goes on to say, So the sin of mankind is buried in the very place whence it came forth. For whereas in paradise the woman gave the man the deadly fruit, a woman from the sepulcher announced life to men. A woman delivers the message of him who raises us from the dead as a woman had delivered the words of the serpent who slew us. The sin of Adam and Eve has been undone. The knot has been untied in the garden with a new Adam and a new Eve. Let that set in. We'll be right back. What's Concerning Us is coming up next. Some Protestants like to charge the Catholic Church with changing the Ten Commandments because it omits the prohibition of making graven images found in Exodus 20. But is this true? No. And here's the reason why. Like Augustine, the Catholic Church sees the prohibition of making graven images as merely an extension of the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. In light of the context, it seems that Augustine was right. For immediately after God prohibits the making of graven images, he says in verse 5, you shall not bow down to them or serve them. The prohibition is against idolatry, not the making of images in an absolute sense. 
So the Catholic Church didn't change the Ten Commandments. And it's not guilty of idolatry and having statues in his places of worship. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers. Catholic.com There will come a day when each of us will be asked to review the movie of our life and give an account to God. We will sorrowfully relive the bad times and joyfully revisit the good. Thankfully, no matter what you've done, there is hope. Since Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. So if you've been away from church for a while, we invite you to come home and find the peace that only comes from God. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Dr. Michael Foley, author of a series of books called Drinking with the Saints, is going to be our guest to talk about uh, feasting like Catholics. I mean, if we can fast like Catholics, what does it mean to feast like Catholics? That's coming up at 35 past the hour. Stick around for that. Praise be to God. There are, as I say, lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. But to, I want to remind you of something you learned back in school. Maybe you haven't thought about it since then. I mean, especially if you're my age or older, you probably haven't thought about it too much. And if you're younger than me, I'd be, I wonder if you know about it at all. That'd be a curious question. Take a poll. How, many, how much uh, uh, learning of history do we actually have these days in our schools since it's, everything's being rewritten, wokeized, and uh, revamped? But back on this day in 1775, Lexington and Concord, the shot heard around the world. I'm taking this very short article off the battlefields.org, the American Battlefield Trust, just to, just to remind us of something. It says this, facing an impending rebellion, British General Thomas Gage decided to seize weapons and gunpowder being stored in Concord, Massachusetts, 20 miles northwest of Boston to prevent violence. Patriot spies soon got wind of Gage's plan. Paul Revere and other writers, in fact, he was just one of many, <laughs> nothing all that special. Uh, he was just one of many. Paul Revere and other writers spread the word of the 800 British regulars who were dispatched to Concord. Departing Boston late in the evening of April 18th, the King's troops marched into the small town of Lexington around 5 a.m. to find, facing them, a militia company of more than 70 men led by Captain John Parker. When the vanguard of British forces rushed forward upon the town green, Captain Parker immediately ordered his company to disperse. At some point, a shot rang out. Historians still debate who fired the shot. The nervous British shoulder, soldier, I can't even speak, the nervous, nervous British soldiers, there we go, fired a volley, killing seven and mortally wounding one of the retreating militiamen. Now, they weren't Minutemen. Uh, this particular uh, community didn't have a Minutemen. Uh, they had militia, regular militia. The British column moved on towards Concord, leaving the dead, wounded, and dying in their wake. Parker and his men would have revenge later that afternoon. Arriving in Concord around 8 o'clock in the morning, British commanders Francis Smith and John Pitcairn 
ordered several companies, about 220 troops in all, to secure the North Bridge across the Concord River and then continue on another mile to the Barrett Farm, where a suspected cache of arms and powder was presumably located. By the time the British arrived at the North Bridge, a growing assembly of close to 400 militia from Concord and the surrounding towns had gathered on the high ground overlooking the North Bridge. From their vantage point on the hill, they could see smoke rising from Concord. The result of British burning some supplies that they uncovered. Thinking the town was being put to the torch, Lieutenant Joseph Hosmer of Concord shouted to his fellow officers, Will you let them burn the town down? The decision was then made to attack. Colonel James Barrett ordered his companies to march upon the bridge, but not to fire upon the British soldiers unless first fired upon. The Acton Company, commanded by 30-year-old Captain Isaac Davis, was placed at the head of the column. When asked if they were prepared to confront the British troops, Davis said, I haven't a man afraid to go. The Minutemen formed up and marched down the hill. As they did so, the British soldiers, I can't say that word for whatever reason, the British soldiers, intimidated by the colonial numbers and orderly advance, retreated to the opposite shore and prepared to defend themselves. When Davis's company came within range, British soldiers opened fire, killing Isaac Davis and also Abner Hosmer, another Acton Miniman. Major Buttrick of Concord shouted, for God's sake, fire! And the Minutemen replied with their own volley killing three British soldiers and wounding nine others. I'm going to get it out. I promise you. This volley is the volley considered the shot heard around the world. The rest of the British troops retreated back to town. Smith and Pitcairn soon ordered a return to Boston, which devolved into a rout as thousands of Minutemen patriots descended on the area. As the British were attacked from all sides by swarms of angry Minutemen along with, with what is now known as the Battle Road, when, the, when they reached Lexington, John Parker and his men had their revenge, firing on the British regulars from behind cover. For the next 12 miles, the British were continually ambushed by Minutemen, shouting from behind trees, rock walls, and buildings. The emotions of this fight carried well beyond April 19th, inspiring American warriors to rise up and fight again, even in the face of staggering odds against them. Having heard the morning fighting at Lexington, General Gage ordered Lord Percy to march from Boston with a relief column. The column reached Smith and Pitcairn and their men on the eastern outskirts of Lexington. But Minutemen continued to pour in as word spread quickly throughout the area. Among these Minute and militia companies were many African Americans, both free and enslaved, who took up arms and fought alongside their white neighbors. The British conducted a running fight until they could get under the cover of British guns and ships anchored in the waterways surrounding Boston. By 8 p.m., now 12 hours later, it was clear that the day had been a disaster for the British. They lost 73 killed and many more wounded compared to the Patriots' loss of only 49. Concord poet Ralph Waldo Emerson dubbed them the embattled farmers. They were not American citizens yet. That would have to wait until 1776 and the Declaration of Independence. On April the 19th, 1775, 
They were simply loyal British subjects who believed that they were standing up to defend and fight for their rights. In doing so, they changed the world forever. It's a very interesting uh, remembrance, I would say, today to think about this time back in 1775 and uh, having served in the Marine Corps, I'll never forget, you know, that's the year the Marine Corps was formed in Tun Tavern in Philadelphia. Pretty typical for Marines, I would say, to have their origins, you know, in a tavern. But there you go. Now, what's interesting about this is this is a time when the, uh, the, the colonists were feeling the pressure. And Massachusetts colony in particular was the troubled child of the American colonies. They were the troublemakers, for the most part, for the American Revolution. Taxation was becoming a major burden. Um, they didn't like the fact that because they were, they were pushing back, that the king sent his troops to live in their homes. And, of course, that led to a lot of other problems in the colony, which led to things like the Boston Massacre, right? And all of this pressure began to build and build and build until that pressure blew. And at that point, a world war kicked off. And, yes, it led to the founding of our country. That's true. But there's lots of uh, things, myths, misconceptions that we have about the American Revolution that I bet if you went back and studied more today, you might, your mind might be blown away to realize that not all you learned back in school was 100% accurate. I know that's been true for me. But I think about our time today, right now. We're living in a time where taxes are, I mean, the American colonists could only dream. I mean, they would love to have the taxes that they had, that they were complaining about, that they wanted to go to uh, uh, arms over, if they had our taxes, I mean, good grief. They would be really angry if they had our taxes today. You think about uh, the border crisis, the lack of uh, a sovereign nation to control its own borders. I mean, we should have good, ethical, moral immigration policy in our country, but we don't. We don't even have any immigration uh, solvency. I mean, it's just, it's out of control. And an out-of-control situation leads to greater chaos. You had cities being burnt down in riots not all that long ago. Police forces being attacked by rocks and frozen water bottles in an orderly and command and controlled fashion like armies train. These rioters were trained so that they could react like armies do on the battlefield. That happened in our country not all that long ago. We are supporting a country right now who is not part of NATO, not part of the, the EU, uh, and we are giving them as if they were partners in NATO. So it's a proxy war between us and another sovereign country. And it's the people in the middle that are suffering the most, not these governments on either side of the equation. Right now in Shanghai, a city of 12 million people, there is mass starvation going on. They have a zero COVID policy in China, and they're locking these citizens in their apartments. There are reports of taking their animals away and putting them in bags and leaving them to die, to suffer, to, to suffocate in these plastic bags on the side of the road. There are videos of people tossing themselves off of their apartment uh, windows and balconies to their death below because they are starving and they've gone absolutely mad. And the screams, the videos of listening to these people scream, it's crazy. 
Just the other day, while we were all focused on the Ukraine, we're not paying attention to too, too much what's going on in Shanghai and these these the plight of these people. I mean, let's not let's not forget what Stalin did to the, the Ukrainians, starving them to death, or what Mao did to his people, starving them to death. We're seeing this again. But while this was going on, Turkey had a special military operation and invaded uh, northern Iraq to attack the, the Kurds. So there's a lot going on in the world. There's wars. There's rumors of wars. There's plagues. There's pestilences. There's lies and media manipulation on all sides. And it's hard to know fact from fiction. It's hard to understand because, like I said at the beginning of the hour, turns out, guess what? We're supplying arms to a professed Nazi battalion fighting for the Ukraines in the Donbass. Let that sink in. Would we have done that? Would the greatest generation, would my grandfathers have been up for this? My grand, my mom's dad fought in World War II. My dad's dad went to Korea. Would they have been up for this? No, no way possible. No way possible. I mean, I'm thinking about the USS Sullivan that's uh, listing in the water in Buffalo because it's taking on water. Five sons gave their life for the cause. Five sons, that's that ship that was named after that ship. And we would not have tolerated this. But we live in this day and this time where it's going to get worse. All right now, you're talking about hearing uh, stories of short food shortages and gas prices and inflation off off the shelf. So what is the answer, Joe? I mean, it's all doom and gloom. So where's the hope? Where's the silver lining? The hope and the answer is there is but one answer. And that is the one mission Christ has given us to convert the world. That is the only mission to convert every soul for the glory of God, for their salvation. That is what Christ asked the church to do. We must ask ourselves today, is our parish about the business of converting every soul within its geographical boundary? Has our bishop a plan to convert every soul within his diocese? And if not, why not? I think of Maximilian Kolbe starving after two weeks in the bunker in Auschwitz, singing hymns and giving God praise. How could he, when so many are falling to their death in suicide in Shanghai right now, how could, how could St. Max have such hope? Because he believed as Mary Magdalene did, and the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings and the Savior. And this planet can't give you the joy that they realized. Let us have that joy. And no matter what comes, we'll be ready. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Men, it's time. Moral relativism is growing and the soul of our nation is at stake. Nowhere is it more manifestly obvious than with the daily ongoing mass murder of abortion. As leaders, protectors, and providers, we must go first. In facing reality, taking responsibility, repenting for what we've done and haven't done, and resolving to do more. The opportunity is before us on Saturday, June 11th, the weekend before Father's Day in Tallahassee, Florida. We'll be gathering at 12 p.m. and embarking on a four-mile march of prayer and sacrifice that will culminate in a 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. We welcome all women, children, and families to join us in standing up for the personhood of the preborn at the 2 p.m. rally. We're also hoping Governor Ron DeSantis will join us and assure us that he will lead on life. Join us June 11th in Tallahassee. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to meditate on Christ's passion. Wouldn't it be great if everyone meditated daily on our Lord's passion? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now, more headlines. Reuters reports, Johnson & Johnson settles West Virginia opioid litigation for $99 million. Johnson & Johnson said it said on Monday it agreed to pay $99 million to settle claims by West Virginia that it helped fuel an opioid addiction crisis in the state, removing the company from an ongoing trial that began earlier this month. West Virginia has been hit particularly hard by the U.S. opioid crisis, which has caused 500,000 overdose deaths over the past two decades. In 2020, it had an overdose death rate of more than three times the national average. Just the News reports Hispanic voters deserting Biden in major warning sign for Democrats. Only 26% of Hispanic voters approve of Biden's job performance compared to 54% who disapprove, according to a Quinnipiac poll. Hispanics represent the country's second largest voting bloc by ethnicity. One indicator of the shift in electoral uh, politics was Virginia's gubernatorial race last year. Glenn Youngkin, the Republican victor, won the Hispanic vote by about two dozen points, or excuse me, one dozen points, once an unthinkable margin. Epic Times reports, new report outlines Biden's preference for U.S. steel and iron in infrastructure projects. The document from the Office of Management and Budget offers guidance on how to implement Made in America requirements on the $1.2 trillion infrastructure plan signed into law in November. The law designates that funding from the bill would only be available if a project meets the specifications of having all iron, steel, and manufactured products produced in the U.S. Breitbart reports, Woke medical student suspended after implying she deliberately hurt a patient. Kaishel Del Rosario, a fourth-year student at Wake Forest University School of Medicine, bragged in a tweet about how she was drawing blood from a patient. But after the patient laughed at her she-her pronoun pin, Del Rosario added, I missed his vein, so he had to get stuck twice. After receiving some well-earned blowback, Del Rosario deleted her social media accounts, including Twitter. In a statement announcing the decision to suspend her, Wake Forest admitted the incident had occurred, but that Del Rosario implying she deliberately hurt the patient was inaccurate. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Joining us right now by Zoom chat is Dr. Michael Foley, a professor of patristics in uh, the great state of Texas at Baylor University. Praise be to God. But uh, we're glad to have him here because he's also the author of a series of books called Drinking with the Saints. Good morning to you, Dr. Foley. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. We're glad for your time today. Um, Drinking with the Saints, very interesting title. It gets a lot of people's attentions. And I have to imagine, as a professor at a Baptist university, probably raises an eyebrow or two. Oh, absolutely. Um, I often get asked, how was I able to write Drinking with the Saints and uh, its two sequels on a dry campus? And uh, I have one answer, tenure. <laughs> That's a good a good response for sure. Let's talk about uh, feasting and fasting. Catholics, uh, we are great at 
fasting. Well, okay, the church is great at fasting. Individual Catholics vary. Uh, performance varies, I would argue. But we just spend six weeks fasting. We have a mini Lent every Advent. We have Amber Days throughout the year where we, we do uh, penances. First Saturday is focused on reparation and penances and so many other devotions that are um, related to that and such a great patrimony and history in 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 fasting, but let's talk about feasting. What does it mean for Catholics to feast? Well, part of it does mean fasting, but you don't appreciate a feast until you have fasted beforehand. And that is why Easter is such a great feast because we've had a long preparation for it. But uh, feasting is a form of gratitude to God. It uh, it thanks God for the goodness of the, the goods that he's given us. It uh, both the temporal goods and the eternal. And um, it involves, um, part of that gratitude involves moderation. Um, you don't want to overdo it. But uh, but Catholics do have a reputation for making merry. And uh, you can understand their excitement and their giddiness uh, over uh, the goodness of the things they've been given. And the effort to, to feast as well. I mean, I think of my own wife and all the effort she put in to prepare for Easter Sunday morning for our house, our family, our kids, and, you know, the, the meals, the, the little treats, the little details that she put into it. And I think about uh, our, our Lord, even, at the wedding feast of Cana, six stone water jars. I mean, I've, I've heard various accounts, but about 120 gallons of the choicest wine. I mean, maybe there was a thousand people there, and so that was spread responsibly. Or maybe, or maybe it was a lot for a very little people. Uh, how, how, how do we find the balance there? Uh, well, you, that's one of the reasons for fasting is that it sort of reboots, recalibrates, enables you to discard bad habits so that when the, the feasting moments come, you're, you're sort of better equipped to handle things with uh, prudence and moderation. Yeah. You know, Dr. Foley, I was thinking about this uh, drinking with the saints idea, and I was reading the life of St. Dominic over Lent, and, you know, one of the things was he refused to drink wine. He was like, you know, I, this is, it's wine is delicious, it's good, so I'm going to avoid it. And he was ordered by his superior to drink wine, that he said, you need it because it's good for the health, it's good for merriment, uh, so you need to drink it. So he, out of obedience, he would have wine with his meals. Uh, could you talk a little bit about the history of the church in regards to uh, drinking? Because, you know, sometimes you see the saints where swear off all things, and the other times you see the monks who have uh, who kind of invent <laughs> modern uh, brewing and also whis whiskey distilling and, and brings wine across the, the, the different, all over the globe because of the Holy Communion. Uh, could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. There actually have been several religious orders that uh, were completely dry, that alcohol was prohibited, just like there are a couple of vegetarian uh, religious orders. The funny thing is, none of them lasted. They only lasted a couple of generations. Instead, the, the orders that lasted were the Benedictines, the Dominicans, and not only did they have alcohol, but uh, at least with the Benedictines, uh, the monks were guaranteed a daily ration of alcohol. So, uh, yes, there is a long history of Catholicism and alcohol. It's not related to drunkenness. In some respects, it's not even related to recreational drinking. 
uh, it was, as you mentioned, related to health, um, especially in an age where uh, safe water, uh, clean water was not a given. Um, having just a small amount of wine, you could pour it into your water and it would kill waterborne pathogens. So uh, for all kinds of health reasons, um, wine was considered very safe. So was beer. Uh, people would drink a kind of low alcohol beer in times of plague instead of the water supply and the beer drinkers would live while the water drinkers would die. So uh, yeah, there are a lot of reasons for this connection. I, similarly, I've heard uh, lots of uh, uh, people talk about how even in the first century in Palestine, they would have drinking more wine than water because the water was just very dirty, whereas uh, the wine was just more palatable. And and I think the problem is we compare it to our time in an age where we go to a we go to a grocery store and pick up a bottle, or we go to a liquor store and get some some spirit or whatever and a liquor, and uh, we think that we think it's more related to the excess, you know, of of alcohol rather than the moderation of alcohol. And we can't seem to wrap our head around uh, past times and their use of it. I'm also thinking about uh, uh, I had, there's a book on the shelf over here called The Rebel Yell, and uh, General Jackson in uh, the Civil War. He was he was known for not drinking. He would rarely ever take a drink, and he was being sort of chided by his by his uh, colleagues in the uh, in the Confederacy about not drinking. And he said, "It's not because I don't love it." He goes, "I love it. I love I love whiskey. It's good stuff." But that's why I won't drink it because I know I can't handle it. And let's talk about that for a second. Um, let's talk about the 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 intent and moderation. I I if I had a bowl of peanut M and M's in front of me, Doctor Foley. Uh, chocolate-covered peanut M&Ms. I would go into a sugar coma for a month, and I couldn't help myself. I'd have no discipline. I would crush the entire bowl. I couldn't just have two. I'd have to have two billion. Um, why is that so hard for us? Well, you know, and everyone has their own weakness, and that's what makes it dangerous. Um, one of the key things to moderation is knowing yourself and knowing your limits and knowing what your weaknesses are. And it varies uh, from person to person. Some people do have a weakness to abusing the bottle more than others. And it could come at different stages of your life. It can be stress-related. Uh, there are some theories that um, certain races are more prone to alcoholism. Uh, you know, Native Americans have the highest alcoholism rate in the world. Mm. Um, but there's... but. But we're not sure. And uh, culture is a huge influence as well. Uh, the world's group with the lowest alcoholism rate is Orthodox Jews. Really? Only point. <laughs> Orthodox Jews, only 0.2 percent oh, wow. of the population is alcoholic. And the reason for that is because wine is on the table every night. And so uh, an Orthodox Jew grows up and never thinks of wine as something to be abused. He never thinks of it as um, a form of teenage rebellion or a forbidden fruit, the way a lot of American kids growing up today do. Um, and because it's just natural, he never abuses it. Hold that thought. Dr. Michael Foley is our guest professor at Baylor uh, on the patristics and the great text program. He's also the author of a series of books called this, uh, Drinking with the Saints. We're going to be right back 
talking about the Catholic joy of feasting. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time, kept your way. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, I accept some of the things the church teaches, but I could never embrace the entire creed because there are some things in it that I just don't have any use for. G.K. Chesterton says, you might as well say that there's a great many things in the Encyclopedia Britannica that you don't have any use for. The church, like the Encyclopedia, is meant for everybody and not just for you. It is meant for everybody, which just happens to include you. The Catholic Church is a combination of things that are nevertheless one thing. We cannot accept only part of it without rejecting all of it. Want more than a minute? Visit our website at www.chesterton.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClancy. Good to be on with you. Michael Foley is our guest. Professor Baylor University, author of a series of books called Drinking with the Saints, talking about the, uh, the Catholic gift of feasting. Praise be to Jesus. Welcome back to the show, sir. It's good to have you on. Um, I, I want to ask you to get you to comment. You know, today, April 19th, 1775, the shot heard around the world. You know, the, the great thorn in the side of the, uh, the English kingdom and the American colonies was Massachusetts. Not so much Virginia or some of these others, as much as Massachusetts, you know, it was the troublemaker, a Puritan colony. And it seems to me Puritanism is sort of an overreaction to some of the Catholic feasting out of the Protestant Reformation. What would you say to that? Oh, absolutely. Although, I mean, they, they partied as well and they were actually beer drinkers, um, unlike some, you know, some of their descendants today. But um what they reacted to was the idea of combining the sacred with feasting. They had a really strong allergy to holy days. They banned Christmas, both when they were living in England and in the United States. And when Catholics came to Massachusetts, they found devious ways of preventing us from celebrating mass on Christmas day or going to mass on Christmas day. They had uh, public schools had a mandatory requirement that you attended school on Christmas Day. And if you didn't, you'd get suspended. So uh, they were very anti-holiday or holy day, I should say. You know, Dr. Foley, I was thinking uh, before the break, you were answering a question and I wanted to go back to that. The You were saying, because uh, I was thinking of the fact that so many Catholics or just people in general who have had a history of like when they're in their former lives or before their conversion, uh, they abused alcohol. 
and uh, then they kind of had a conversion to the faith, and then now they're uh, trying to live a good faith. They struggle with trying to understand how alcohol can be a good thing. And the same thing for people who grew up in households where alcohol was abused, or they had parents who abused alcohol, and then now they're like, oh, okay, well, I, we should just swear off alcohol, and alcohol is the boogeyman, and it becomes this huge thing. Uh, could you comment on that and how to overcome these little, these kind of uh, tendencies? Yeah, uh, excellent question. Well, if you come from a house where perhaps your parents abused alcohol, the chances are, well, I don't know what the statistics are, but I can just say from the people that I've met, they tend to be very responsible drinkers, um, almost you know, overly cautious because of the, the bad memories that they have. Um, as for recovering from a period of, of abusing the bottle yourself, I mean, again, it really varies. Uh, some people need to become uh, totally abstinent, uh, you know, enter AA, um, never, never touch the stuff again. Um, but others can find ways of drinking moderately. Sometimes for, uh, and again, it's just going to vary. I know people that will only drink beer because uh, hard liquor is just simply too much for them and it's too easy for them to abuse or they come up with other kinds of regimen, um, you know, uh, in order to sort of stay on top of it. But the good news is, I think you can stay on top of it. You just need to have a little more discipline and uh, awareness of your limitations. And what about instilling these ideals into your children? Uh, you were commenting about how in the Orthodox community, the Jewish Orthodox community, there is very low alcohol abuse. And uh, the in relation to that, could you comment on how to raise kids to not abuse alcohol, but to understand the proper place of it? Yes, you bring them up with five lessons, actually. The, the first is moderation. Um, the second is you teach them, and this is good for grownups as well, you teach them to drink with a sense of gratitude. Um, uh, because as Chesterton uh, it, so beautifully puts it, we should thank God for beer and Burgundy by not drinking too much of them. <laughs> um, I also uh, teach my kids to drink with a sense of memory. Um, you, you don't want to drink to forget. You want to drink to remember. Unhealthy drinking is drinking to forget, but healthy drinking is drinking to remember. Um, you also want to drink with a sense of merriment that means fellowship, community. Uh, it's, it's, it's not immoral to drink alone, but uh, it's probably not a habit you want to develop. It's better to be drinking uh, in fellowship. And then finally drink, especially around the dinner table, drink with the sense of ritual. Um, I think this is one of the reasons why the Puritans didn't like holy days is that they were peppered with ritual. But ritual for us Catholics is part of a life of joy. It doesn't destroy joy, but it channels it. So a simple ritual for drinking is drinking with a toast. That's a very simple ritual, and it has a way of sort of crystallizing your, your drinking and your memory. 
I like what you're saying there, uh, Mr. Foley. Uh, that's 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 really uh, helpful advice for people um, who are, you know, wondering how. Well, how do we uh, talk about drinking? How do we, you know, talk about things that are very popular in the culture with our, our children? And those are really great examples uh, to to help them um, understand that you know maybe not abuse the the alcohol uh, is what I'm trying to say, but. You know, I'm, I'm sure you you incorporate some of those things into your feasting. You know, now now that we're in in Easter, we're in the octave. How do you feast in your family? How do you how does your family feast at home? Well, we had quite the Easter celebration the other day. Um, we have for our major holidays, we we like to have a lot of uh, stragglers over, people who don't have uh, places to go during the holidays. So we had about 15 people on Easter and uh, yeah, we had, a, we had a great time. And my family and I love to observe the feast days of the liturgical year, especially particular customs. So I invented drinking with the saints because there were not a lot of drinks to pair with the feast days of the church year. Uh, traditionally speaking, there are a lot of foods uh, and that's why we have so many Catholic cookbooks, uh, which do a wonderful job giving you traditional folk ideas. Mm. And uh, my family likes to follow those as well. So sort of drawing from the tradition, taking a break during an important feast day, uh, it, it punctuates the year, it animates the year. Uh, it, well, frankly, it makes the year less boring um, mm-hmm. to follow that liturgical rhythm. And I think it's important as well for families. It's you know we've gone traditional over the past uh, you know many years. We've grown more and more traditional, and now we we attend the uh, FSSB parish in our in our area. But as I've gone traditional, and that's been a bit of a struggle in some ways, and in other ways it's been beautiful and easy. But it's been hard to wrap my head around what is does it mean to be a traditional Catholic. You know, and and I've always uh, come to this conclusion: it's more than just the, the liturgy; it's more than just attending a more traditional uh, liturgy. It's living the the actual life and breath of the church throughout your life, throughout every day of every year, in your home, outside of your home. It's everywhere, and I think this is part of it. And I think the issue I think I struggle with, Doctor Foley, is I am so far removed from the cultural background of my heritage, being Scottish, um, and Scots these days practically are atheists anyway, that, uh, that it's, I can't wrap my head around it, but my wife, her parents are immigrants from, from the Azores, from Portugal, and they live and breathe a culture that's native to them, that's uh, sort of uh, given in their language and their behavior and the things that they do that I can't wrap my head around. Do you think that there's an issue there with Americans in general? Like we're so far removed from these cultural identities that even as Catholics, it can be kind of a struggle to understand how to embrace these ideas. Oh, I think that's very true. And even at its best, the the danger of the American melting pot is that over time, those old customs melt away. It's not that there's anything necessarily wrong with uh, the American arrangement, but just uh, the the power of erosion uh, Mm. and you sort of lose some of those thick connections. Um, But the good news is I really think you can 
rediscover and live tradition without having a particular cultural um, memory in, in order to do so. Uh, so like in your case, Joe, it's okay that, you know, you don't know what your Scottish Catholic ancestors from maybe 500 years ago were doing. Um, you can still pick up traditional customs. You can be an American and being an American does mean being a little eclectic <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's okay. That's just the love and the ruins kind of life we live these days. And, and I frankly am unashamed of the fact that uh, if I hear a Portuguese custom that I like, I pick it up and the next day it's a Ukrainian and yeah. It actually, it reminds me of God. I do know what my uh, ancestors did 500 years ago. They kidnapped their rival, the McDonald, and threatened to kill him unless he gave them land. And guess what? They got the land. They got Duart Castle as a result to it. So that's a good Catholic a McLean clan from 500 years ago. Praise be to God. We're, uh, we're running out of time here. Where can we get Drinking with the Saints? Drinking with the Saints and Drinking with St. Nick and Drinking with Your Patron Saints are all available on Amazon. Um, I also would like your viewers or listeners to know that uh, we are doing a river cruise, a pilgrimage through Fatima and Santiago de Compostela next summer. And you can find that information on uh, online on our website. Which is what? What's your website? Drinkingwiththesaints.com. Very good. Dr. Michael Foley, Professor of Patristics at Baylor University, thank you for your time. So we're very grateful to you. God bless you. God love you. Thank you. All right. Check him out online, drinkingwiththesaints.com. Check out his uh, series of books as well. But that is going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. It's been great hanging out with you. Praise be to Jesus. If you can and you are able to, hang out with us in the next hour, too. We're going to have a great time with the Fear and Trembling Catholic Trivia Game Show. And prizes are at stake, and you could win. Go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash C-D-T. Hey, we'll see you tomorrow morning, but don't forget, it's April 19th. Pray. Pray hard. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. a young and diverse generation helping those in need and promoting human rights we care for the environment we embrace authentic witnesses and dream of a better world our passion comes from God who loves us even when we fall and cheers on our victories if you sometimes wonder is there something more then come and see at catholicscomehome.com 
Hi, this is Walter Crawford with Homeschool Connections, a proud sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Please save the date for this year's The Catholic Homeschool Conference. It's virtual, so you can attend from the comfort of your own home or from an in-person watch party in your local community. It's Friday, June 10th and Saturday, June 11th. Our theme this year is empowering you to homeschool joyfully. May God continue to bless your homeschool journey. More information is available at catholichomeschoolconference.com. Men, it's time. Moral relativism is growing and the soul of our nation is at stake. Nowhere is it more manifestly obvious than with the daily ongoing mass murder of abortion. As leaders, protectors, and providers, we must go first. In facing reality, taking responsibility, repenting for what we've done and haven't done, and resolving to do more. The opportunity is before us on Saturday, June 11th, the weekend before Father's Day, in Tallahassee, Florida. We'll be gathering at 12 p.m. and embarking on a four-mile march of prayer and sacrifice that will culminate in a 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. We welcome all women, children, and families to join us in standing up for the personhood of the preborn at the 2 p.m. rally. We're also hoping Governor Ron DeSantis will join us and assure us that he will lead on life. Join us June 11th in Tallahassee. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. It is uh, April 19th, 2022. Happy Easter to you. Praise be to God. Hopefully you're still feasting. Um, if it were up to me, if I were if I were the Pope, okay, the the, uh, the vicar of Christ on earth, I would say 50 straight days of nothing but, you know, prime rib every day. Peanut M&Ms. Peanut M&Ms. Now, I, what I would do is I'd take a prime rib and then I would... I would uh, marinated in peanut M&M's for like a 24-hour period. And then I would wrap it in bacon, <laughs> but the Canadian thick bacon. Okay, not the cheap that stuff. That's horrible. <laughs> and then I would, you know, then, I'd, then, I would, then I would fry the whole thing up in like some, uh, oh. some barbecue sauce or something. Oh, that's a nice cut of meat. Why are you going to do that to that? Have you ever had a prime peanut. rib? <laughs> marinated in chocolate-covered peanut M&M's. And fried. <laughs> okay. If you, so if you haven't had it, how can you talk, my friend? Ugh. I mean, you... Pfft. Well, I happen to have a refined palate. I can, I can taste tell. all of the... I can tell. All of the little... Yeah. What do they call this? <laughs> Accrutement? Or <laughs> <laughs> Somebody who speaks French. Yeah, the, it's ni- it's Let got, us know. It's got a nice... Uh, it's got a nice aftertaste. That's for sure. <laughs> 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 Speaking of which, Adrian nice Ponsega, aftertaste. Adrian Ponsega is here on the ones and twos. Good morning, Adrian. What are we talking about? <laughs> Don't ask. Just keep moving. Even... Just okay. Keep well, you know, praise be to God. It is uh, Tuesday in uh, the Christmas or the Easter, rather, <laughs> in the Easter octave. Yeah. It's uh, the Tuesday of the Easter octave. Praise so be praise to be to God for that. Let's uh, keep the uh, celebrations going. I am. Uh, I have promised that I will get back onto my diet after Easter Day. 
But luckily for me, Easter Day lasts a week. Uh, so <laughs> praise be to God for that. One so. long day. Mm-hmm. Eight day. We get eight days mm-hmm. uh, compressed uh, to, uh, to extended. One long day is eight days. But I would do 50. I don't know why we can't get 50. Why do we have to only have eight if Easter Sorry. season is 50? Can't do it. Easter season, the seasons and the day, the octaves are different. Who's in charge of this? Who do but, I have to uh, talk to about this? I mean, and, and then, I'm going to call but, them right but away. But don't worry, though. We get another octave coming up right around the corner. The Pentecost octave happens yeah. in 50 days. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Nice. Praise be to God. It's going to be lit. Good time. <laughs> it's lit. Joe, oh, I'd, I'd, vote, I'd vote for you in the, in the conclave. Would you? Yeah. Would you? Uh, yeah. Oh, that's, that's at least one. Can I count? Can, what about you, Avery? <laughs> can I count on you for a vote? And look at the time. I just, like, <laughs> what? what? Oh, it's like, you, oh my, what? You didn't answer my question. I can, I can, I can count on you, right, for, I, for a vote in the next conclave? And so, uh, you know, what? I'm thinking about getting breakfast after. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Adrian's vote aside, we are going to have a game show coming up at 15 after the hour. All shenanigans and, and all the other fun to be included as well in the fear and trembling segment at 15 past where prizes are involved and you could win. It is possible. Praise be to God. So all you have to do is be our first caller when we give you the phone number. Uh, As I say, you can always hedge your bet. You can go to our website and uh, there you'll find a number of incredible things to include a, a list of every radio station we are on. You can find that there. Our insider email list. You can find that there are podcast, our sponsor information, and so much more is all there. Even the live video feed is there. But also there is the fear and trembling rules and phone number. So if you'd like to call in early, you're welcome to do so. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Otherwise, I will give you that phone number at the appropriate time. And your job is to pick it up, uh, that phone that is, and dial it as soon as possible. First caller gets to be the contestant. Prizes are at stake. It's going to be a lot of fun. So stick around for that. We do have good news. Plus, we'll have an after show where even more uh, very... uh, uh, eclectic nuanced, conversation, I nuanced and the, uh... eclectic conversation happens. <laughs> it could be from anything from deep uh, theology to the peanut uh, M&Ms to how spark plugs uh, are best utilized in your V8. So true. Gas guzzler um, and all everything in between. Praise be to God. But we like it when you lead the conversation. So that's comment true. on the social feeds. Let us that's know what you true. want to talk about. That's true. So that's coming up at uh, the second half of this hour on our live video streams. Let's pray. Let's dive in. Let's get started. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now your good news with Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And here's a good news story from my hometown, but fret not, no doubt it's happening in many other places. The Epic Times reports Burbank sees gardening wave amid record inflation and pandemic. Recent inflation and the COVID-19 pandemic have spurred more Southern Californians to start home and community gardens, according to locals. Burbank Community Gardens volunteers were surprised this month after around 150 people and organizations recently applied for a few open spots at the first of two new gardens. The group hopes to provide space for local residents, organizations, and people who don't have access to backyards as well as people who can't afford food. 
It will be their community to run, a lifelong Burbank resident said. People are ready to get back around around other people, and so it's a great way to do that. The group planted a native garden in front of the fenced-off space that will eventually include 38 raised garden beds. Two of the plots will be handicap accessible. All food grown at the site will be organic, and they expect to grow food all year, including tomatoes, zucchini, peppers, cucumbers, snap peas, lettuces, and chards, along with carrots, beets, turnips, and radishes. Oh, I'm hungry now. I just find it so satisfying. So <laughs> I just find it so satisfying," said Brinsley, a Burbank resident. The community garden is great for children who are naturally engaged and interested. It's very satisfying to work with the soil, to smell the earth, and to grow something with your own hands, Brinsley said. I hope in the end the garden becomes a place for the community to come together and learn to support each other and thrive. Interest in home gardening grew throughout the world during the pandemic, according to a new study released in March by the University of California, Davis. One of those who responded, 81% of those, rather, who responded, 81% said they had concerns about food access and the safety and selection of food at stores. Not only did gardens describe a sense of control, gardeners describe a sense of control and security that came from food production, but they also expressed heightened experiences of joy, beauty, and freedom in garden spaces, the study reported. And that's really good news. God love you. The saint of the day, or saints rather, are Saint Expeditus and Saint Timon. Saint Expeditus was probably born in Armenia and was a Christian martyr, one of the six Roman soldiers said to have been executed at Melantina during the Diocletian persecution. If he was stationed there at the beginning of the 4th century, he was most likely a member of the Legio Twelve. During the Diocletian persecution, A.D. 303, he was beheaded. The day he decided to become a Christian, the devil took the form of a crow and told him to defer his conversion until the next day, tomorrow more. Expeditus stomped on the bird and killed it, declaring, I will be a Christian today, thus becoming the patron saint against procrastination. St. Timon was one of the seven deacons chosen by the apostles to assist in the ministering to the Nazarene community of Jerusalem. He was mentioned in Acts of the Apostles, chapter 6, verse 5, although the traditions concerning him are kind of confusing, to be honest. The seven, often known as the seven deacons, were leaders elected by the early Christian church to minister to the community of believers in Jerusalem to enable the apostles to concentrate on prayer and the ministry of the word and to address a concern raised by Greek-speaking believers about their widows being overlooked in the daily diakonia, or the ministry. Timon was said to have been a Hellenized Jew who became a bishop in Greece or in Basra, Syria. In the later account, his preaching brought the ire of the local governor, who martyred him with fire. Saint Expeditus and Saint Timon pray for us. Praise be to God. In all things, the gospel today comes to us from John chapter 20, verses 11 through 18. Mary Magdalene stayed outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she bent over into the tomb and saw two angels in white sitting there, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken my Lord, and I don't know where they laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus there, but did not know that it was Jesus. 
Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? She thought it was the gardener and said to him, Sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you laid him and I will take him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Stop holding on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and tell them, I am going to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and then reported what he had told her, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, St. Gregory the Great said, quote, Perhaps, however, the woman was right in believing Jesus to be the gardener. Was not he the spiritual gardener who, by the power of his love, had sown strong seeds of virtue in her breast? How is it that as soon as she sees the gardener, as she supposes him to be, she says, without having told him who it was she was seeking, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence... It arises from her love. When one loves a person, one never thinks that anyone else can be ignorant of him. Close quote, St. Gregory the Great. Isn't that amazing? Do we love our Lord so much that we just assume that everyone else does too? Let us be like Mary Magdalene in that way today. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, a lot of things from Cornelius Lapide, especially on verse 17. But first, before I get to that, one thing is in regards to whenever he she looks at him and sees that he's a gardener, or thinks that he's a gardener, rather. It's uh, According to Cornelius Lapide, he tur- she turns around and sees the angels begin to genuflect to the gardener. And she looks at the angels and is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who is it that the angels are genuflecting to? And so she turns back around and sees the gardener and the gardener calls her name and she realizes who he is at that moment. It just, uh, to me, that was just a beautiful image, something to, to think about, something to contemplate. Cornelius Lapide also says that the angels standing on the top and the bottom symbolize the uh, active and the contemplative life. The angel on top symbolizes the contemplative life and the angel on the bottom consider, co- conveying the active life. And then verse 17 Jesus saith unto her, touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father. This is very important to note. Cornelius Lapid said, this is a difficult passage. And the connection between the two parts is even more difficult. This is important to note because we can't fall into the trap of saying that we have a clear and perfect understanding of every single passage of Scripture. We have the tradition to lean on to help guide us in understanding, but a lot of these questions we won't know until we ask Christ himself uh, when we get to heaven, God willing. But Cornelius Lapide here lays out like six or seven different theories that different people, St. Cyril, St. Augustine, St. Chrysostom, and uh, many other saints have laid out in regards to what's happening here. One idea here is that he's saying one, which I thought this was a very interesting idea, that he is referencing to the coming of the Eucharist, saying, do not touch me because I have not yet descended to thy father. And he's making a reference to not touching the Holy Eucharist. I was like, oh, that's a very interesting connection to make there. He also makes a connection here saying he's trying to give an example of showing that you are not to be... Uh, 
in contact, that men should not be in contact with women without other witnesses around to have uh, as a as a moral example. So that the the according to the law update does not endorse that that theory in particular. He also has another idea that Saint Chrysostom said that he forbid her to touch her because there is a greater reverence that for his body now that is glorified. And he says that it would have been the case that the apostles and Thomas actually did not touch him either. And so no one had touch, would touch him while he was in his glorified state because the dignity of the glorified body. These are just some speculations. There are many others uh, that maybe we can talk about in the future, but there are, those are two or three different ideas of what, we are, what we're looking at here. But I think it's something that we can contemplate today. Think about it. Why did our Lord tell her, do not touch me for I am not yet ascended to my Father? Something to contemplate today. Praise be to God. All right, time to play the game Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show with prizes at stake, but it's time to make a phone call. So if you would like to play the game and possibly win some prizes, now is your chance. If you've never played before, let me encourage you, call right now, 877-757-9424. It's fun. It's easy. It's always a good time at 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Call right now. Rudy's waiting to take your call. 877-757-9424. Be right back. Are there any basic rules for doing apologetics? First Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two, you don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read Scripture. Read the Catechism. Listen to Apologetics tapes. Listen to Catholic Radio. Learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three, Luke 5, verse 10. Do not be afraid. Henceforth, you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but he's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes, and he got into tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four, always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity, an opportunity to share the truth. Rule number five, don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what I call the doctrinal dance. You get asked about purgatory, Mary, the Pope, sacraments, all in rapid fire succession. Before you can answer one question, you're asked another, then another. Just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say, then move on. Rule number six, never be afraid to say, I don't know when asked a question about your faith. Don't try to wing it. However, always follow I don't know with, but I will find out and get back to you and make sure you do. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, 
Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show where we have a secret and hidden agenda. But what we need most is a call on the line, and the phone lines are wide open. So if you've never played, this would be a great chance for you at 877-757-9424. If it's been a while, like a month or so, since you've last played, you may try again at 877-757-9424. That phone number is 877-757-9424. Call now to be our contestant at 877-757-9424. But there are a few things we like to do here, and I just don't want to tell anybody what they are. I like to keep these things between us. They're secrets, you know, my secret hidden agenda uh, number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something about the Catholic faith that you just didn't know before. Praise be to God. This thing about the bragging rights. We like to have a good time. We like to laugh. And our callers are amazing. They laugh with us, and we we truly do enjoy that quite a bit. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which makes it a winner for everybody involved. But if you're new here, let me explain. I have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me. But I will not be asking the caller the questions. So they don't even need to know the correct answers. They, in fact, might not know a single correct answer, and they could still win the game. Because I will ask Rudy, I will ask Adrian, one of which will be correct, and the other will be incorrect. And the caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. What could they win? Praise be to God. Our sponsor this week is Twelfth and Blossom. Husbands, love your wives. As as you know, mm-hmm. you've heard that one said. You've heard that mm-hmm. one before, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay, look, I'm gonna let you in on a little, a little, uh, little secret here, oh, right? Yeah? Just like Joe. Okay. Mother's Day is coming up. Uh, it's coming soon. It's next month. Yeah. Are you listening? I am. Husbands, love your wives. You get All it? Right. Yeah. Wink, wink. Nudge, yeah. nudge. Yeah. Well, she sells fantastic original Catholic art, jewelry. Yeah and other gifts. And you can check out her website at 12thandblossom.com. That's 12thandblossom.com. You know where we like to go for Mother's Day? Where? Uh, Bass Pro Shop. Oh, man. That's the best Mother's Day outing ever. (laughs) So good. Well, 12th and Blossom, they're generously sponsoring our game show this week with a set of small portraits honoring the different titles of Mary. So thank you very much, 12th and Blossom. 12thandblossom.com. God bless you. Thank you for doing it. We appreciate it. Hey, for everybody who just tried to call in, praise be to God. If you don't get on today, call back tomorrow. We'd love to have you. Let's go to the phones. Angie, good morning to you. Thanks for calling in. You're welcome. Good morning to you. Praise be to God, Angie. Where are you calling from? Pensacola, Florida. The great panhandle. Praise be to Jesus. Florida is on the board. Now, where do you go to church, Angie? St. Mary. Brent. Nice. And is it already uh, 700% humid there? I'm just curious. Actually, today is like freezing. It's what? Crazy. In Florida? It huh. You're like, I know. it was cold in Houston too this morning. Wow. It was very strange. I was walking to my car and I was like, man, it's kind of, it's kind of grabbed my coat. <laughs> Do we dare For say new? it's nice? <laughs> I know. That goes April. <laughs> Wild. Well, praise be to God. We're so excited to have Pensacola on the board. Now, Angie, are you familiar with how this game works? Do you know how the rules work? I do. Okay. Okay. So are you ready? You, you're, you are confident. You're ready to go. You sound it like. I, I just. 
Not confident, but mm. I'm ready. What I'm hearing is, <laughs> what I'm hearing is, you got this, and you probably don't even need my help to to wade these difficult waters. So I will try not to get in your mm. way, Angie. Are you ready to go? <laughs> ready. Let's, let's do this. I like that. The confidence, great. Uh, we'll start with Rudy, as is our custom, our patrimony, our tradition here. Small T, of course, small T. <laughs> uh, it's not a judgment against you, my friend. Oh, okay, but, fine. Uh, All right. R- good morning, Rudy. Are you ready? Good morning, Joe. I am. Praise be to God. Are you sure? I'm, I'm so ready. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Let's start with a hard one then. Kota. Kota. C-O-T-T-A. Kota is another term for what? Vestment. A vestment. So what the priest wears uh, during the mass, okay, or mm-hmm. just generally speaking, a vestment. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say it's, I think it's a surplus. A surplus. You know, the white, yeah. the white uh, I, yeah. garment that they wear. Like, you mean like altar service kind of thing? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just see what Adrian says. Hey, Adrian. Hey, Joe. Can you tell me? Yeah. A cota, C-O-T-T-A, a cota is another term for what vestment? Hmm, surplus sounds like, you know, having too much of something. So I, I'm going to go with a cope. A, like, wow, okay. Hmm, sort of depressing almost. Like you're coping. Like coping, coping mechanism. Uh-huh. It's like some people eat peanut M&Ms. I'm just saying others have, you're saying a coda. That's, that's your argument. Mm, I'm saying a cope. A cope. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Angie, here is the question. Cota uh, is a term for what vestment? Is it, as Adrian says, a cope? Or is it, as Rudy says, a surplus? Or is it surplus? How do you say that properly? I wonder. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Angie, what say you? I say no clue. (laughs) Rudy. Go with Rudy. Way to go. go. I thought someone was going to say an investment. You want surplus. Angie, I would never lead you astray. Yikes. Is it surplus or surplus? How do we say that correctly? Surplus? I say surplus. Surplus? Surplus is the correct answer? P-L-I-S. But in Texas, we call it a surplus. We do, don't we? All right. Angie, just think about the bragging rights. Later today, you'll be you know, talking about, hey, the coda. I know what a coda is. It's like a surplus. Surplus. So you're in. You could win. Let's see if we can't. Let's double this one. Now, this one is one of those questions where you don't want anybody asking because you just like, I don't remember, but you know it, but you don't remember. Let's go with uh, Adrian for this one. Uh-oh. Adrian, can you tell me? Uh, that's me. What does the 10th commandment forbid? What does the 10th commandment forbid? The 10th commandment forbids us from stealing from other people. Does it? Yep. That's that's what it does. That's it's what it just does. Plain old, straightforward, on the nose, stealing mm-hmm. from other people. Yep. Avoid wow. stealing from others. Avoid it. Okay. As much as you possibly mm. can. As much as one can. Okay. Seems reasonable. I don't know. Does it? Let's just see. Hey, Rudy, can you tell me what does the tenth commandment forbid? You know, it blows my mind. Does but it? Here in the U.S., there's mm-hmm. a thing called keeping up with the Joneses. Really? You familiar about this? I'm pretty sure I am. Yes. Well, it's coveting thy neighbor's goods. Hmm, really? I don't yep. know about that. So don't, it, it forbids us from coveting our neighbor's goods. Huh. Okay, okay. Well, Angie, the 10th commandment, I, you know, it's a tricky one. Does it prevent us or, you know, are we supposed to not covet our neighbor's goods to to take or keep unjustly what belongs to others, as Adrian says, to to steal? 
or is it covet, as Rudy says? 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? It's Rudy all the way. Rudy. Wow. All right, all right. She wow. knows her Ten what? Commandments. There we go. <laughs> and I, I knew you were confident, Angie, but... I mean, you got I was very confident. You may be one of our superstars. I don't know. We have to like have, have a, a a tournament, like a yeah. superstar tournament. We should do that. Angie should be on the like short a bracket. List. Yeah, she's just yeah. in it to win it today. You're in for two. Praise be awesome. to God. All desire to take or keep unjustly what belongs to others, and also envy at their success. That's what uh, the tenth commandment forbids. Praise be to God. But this last one. I'm going to say it could be... Hardest question we've ever had. You think so? I think so. I was going to say hardly the it's, hardest. It's hardly the easiest question we've ever had. It's easily the easiest. It's the, easily the hardest question we've ever had. Huh. Mm-hmm. Could it be hardly easy or easy hardly? Hard as diamonds. It's so hard that, honestly, mm-hmm. I, don't mm-hmm. think, okay. I don't think anybody mm-hmm. is going to get this right. Angie, you got this. I know you're going to get this. This is easy. No problems. We're going to go back to Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me? Who... Made us, us, yes. Mm-hmm. So like, like our show or just everybody, everybody uh, who made yes. us, yes. Well, and chocolate covered peanut M&M. That my friend is God. God, God made us. God made us. What did He make us for? Ooh. To know, to mm-hmm. love, and mm-hmm. to serve Him in this life and in the next. In the next. Okay. Spend the rest of it. I read that life. someplace. Did you? I did. <clears throat> I don't know how to read. Uh, let's see what uh, Adrian says. Adrian, can you tell me These kids who can't read. made us? Who made us? Yeah, Rudy's answer sounds very antiquated. Um, <laughs> very preconciliar. It's, I'm, I'm not a fan. <laughs> so clearly, Mar- science, capital S, trademark over the oh, E, I see, I see. Uh, has okay. explained to us that yeah. we came mm-hmm. from evolution. Oh, mm-hmm. okay, so... Your answer is Monke? evolution? Is that your... Yes, my answer is evolution okay. created us. Okay. Return to Monke. Well, Angie, is it as Adrian says, evolution, or is it as Rudy says, God made us? 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Angie from Pensacola, what say you? Three in a row, I go with Rudy. I told you. Did I call it I just right Angie, today. you're amazing. Praise <laughs> be to God. I, I, I loved it that you were so confident and you not you nail these questions. You're so great, Angie. God bless you. God love you. Thanks for playing our game and having a laugh. God bless Thank you. Thank you. That was fun. Have a great day. Happy Easter. Hold on, though. I'm going to put you on hold so we get your number. But uh, happy Easter to you, Angie, and everybody, our friends in Florida. Hang out with us on the after show, live on our video feeds. God bless you. God love you. See you back here tomorrow. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate Tuesday and the octave of Easter. 
The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Christ the Lord is risen today. Alleluia. Sons of man and angels say, Alleluia. Raise your joys and triumphs high. Alleluia. Sing ye heavens and earth reply. Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And with your spirit. Today we celebrate the third day of the octave of Easter, where the whole church soaks in the grace of Easter joy. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty, Almighty God, God and to and you, to you my, my brothers and sisters, that I, that have, I have greatly sinned. sinned. In my, in my thoughts and in my words, and what, I what I have done and what I have failed, failed to do, through my, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, Therefore I ask the Blessed Mary, Mary of a Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, to you, my brothers and sisters, to pray, pray for me to the Lord our God. God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Glory to God in the highest, and, and on earth, earth peace to people of good will. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, heavenly King, O God, almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Have mercy on us, for you alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High. Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who have bestowed on us paschal remedies, endow your people with heavenly gifts, 
so that possessed of perfect freedom, they may rejoice in heaven over what gladdens them now on earth. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. from the Acts of the Apostles. On the day of Pentecost, Peter said to the Jewish people, Let the whole house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they asked Peter and the other apostles, What are we to do, my brothers? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is made to you and to your children and to all those far off, whomever the Lord our God will call. He testified with many other arguments and was exhorting them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 persons were added that day. The word of the Lord. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Upright is the word of the Lord, and all his works are trustworthy. He loves justice and right. Of the kindness of the Lord, the earth is full. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. See, the eyes of the Lord are upon those who fear him upon those who hope for his kindness, to deliver them from death and preserve them in spite of famine. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Our soul waits for the Lord, who is our help and our shield. May your kindness, O Lord, be upon us, have, who have put our hope in you. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, Lord. Mary Magdalene stayed outside the tomb, weeping. And as she wept, she bent over into the tomb and saw two angels in white sitting there, one at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus had been. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken my Lord, and I don't know where they laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus there, but did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? 
she thought it was the gardener and said to him, Sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Stop holding on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them, I am going to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and then reported what he had told her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Mary Magdalene, she is the great penitent of the church. And from the very earliest days of Jesus preaching the gospel, he prescribed that you should only wear two tunics. Ever since then, there was an order of penitents called the Askretai in the New Testament that followed Jesus more closely. And it came from this in living encounter with Jesus Christ of being surprised by his love and being called by name. Uh, canon law in the church says that a religious should strive for assiduous union with God through reading of sacred scripture, through mental prayer, through exercises of piety and the worthy celebration of the liturgy of the hours. And ever since, Jesus personally um, intruded surprisingly and lovingly in the life of St. Mary Magdalene. There have been an order of penitents in the church or religious who follow Christ more closely. And the, the truth of it is, you ask any religious and there comes a point when if you've been loved that much and that mightily, the only response is to give every moment of the rest of your life over to Jesus. Um, I remember when I received my calling very specifically to religious life. I was working at the University of Minnesota at the printing press office and because I was a student I was working late and I was the only one in this huge warehouse. And as I was running the printing press the Holy Spirit visited me and I began to weep. I couldn't, it was very hard for me to work because I was consumed with love. In fact, I tried to walk home. Uh, it was like two mile walk home from that my workplace and there was a blizzard, I think, in Minnesota in December and it took me forever to walk home because I would walk a few steps and I'd stop and pray because I felt this undulating, unceasing, intense love of God. And when I got home, I laid down on the floor in the form of a cross and I gave God my life and I made my own personal vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience at that moment. And I've always kept those. Those were private between me and God, but I, I felt this consuming, consuming love of God. And that's what the resurrection is, the season of the Easter octave, is where the church is consumed by the joyful, peaceful, undulating, unceasing love of Jesus Christ. So my dear friends, I, I pray that you will be surprised that Jesus interrupt your, your journey and, and call you by name and that you would know 
that awesome consuming love of, of God. And uh, in order to do that well, you really have to go to Mass. You really have to experience that from Jesus in the Eucharist. And if you permit Jesus to show up um, and you go into the presence of the Lord in the Eucharist, you will experience the resurrection a lot more powerfully. So the Easter um, you know, octave is a perfect time to make a visit, extra visits to the Blessed Sacrament and experience that great joy, that peace, and that consuming love. The Lord is truly risen. Alleluia. Let us bring to the Lord all of our petitions. We pray for the whole church, that the church may truly be on fire with the love of God and be the Alleluia people in the joy and rejoicing of the resurrection. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our Holy Father, all bishops and priests, that they be men of the resurrection and lead with wisdom and courage. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for government leaders, for all nations, for peace on earth. We pray for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor, especially for refugees. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And we pray for all of our beloved dead, that they may enter the Father's eternal glory. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask you to hear us, for we make these and all our petitions in the holy and living name of Jesus Christ, crucified and risen, and through the powerful intercession of Mary Immaculate, the woman of resurrection, as we pray. Hail Mary, full, full of, of grace, grace, the Lord, the Lord is, is with thee. Blessed, blessed art thou among women. women. And blessed, blessed is the is fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, of God pray, pray for, for us sinners, now and at the, the hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The strife is o'er, the battle done. The victory of life is won. The song of triumph hath begun. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. The powers of death have done their worst, but Christ their legion hath dispersed. Let shout of holy joy outburst. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands, praise and glory of his name, for our good and good of all his holy church. Accept in compassion, Lord, we pray, the offerings of your family, that under your protective care they may never lose what they have received, but attain the gifts that are eternal through Christ our Lord. Amen. With your spirit, we lift them up to the Lord. It is right and just. 
this day above all to laud you yet more gloriously when Christ our Passover has been sacrificed. For he is the true Lamb who has taken away the sins of the world. By dying, he has destroyed our death and by rising, restored our life. Therefore, overcome with Paschal joy, every Lamb, every people exults in your praise. And even the heavenly powers with the angelic host sing together in the unending hymn of your glory as they acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Pleni Suncelia Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, Qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna, in You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created greatly gives you praise. For through your Son, O Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to the setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you by the same Spirit, graciously Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles, 
with St. Mary Magdalene, and with all the saints, on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for our favor and help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant, Francis our Pope, Michael our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you summon before you in your compassionate and merciful Father. Gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. Remember your servants whom you call from this world to yourself. Grant that they who are united with your Son in a death like his may also be one with him in his resurrection, when from the earth you will raise up in the flesh those who have died and transform our holy body after the pattern of his own glorious body. To our departed brothers and sisters too, and to all who are pleasing to you at the passing from this life, give kind and next your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, when you will wipe away every tear from our eyes. For seeing you, our God, as you are, we shall be like you for all the ages and praise you without end. Through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Tenoster, quies in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat renum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra. Dionum, dan nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris. Cassententacionem, se libera nos amalo. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace, I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant your peace and unity, in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Miserere nobis, anius Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi. Miserere nobis, anius Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi. Dona nobis pacem.
risen with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, and the things that are above. Alleluia. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The King of love, my shepherd is, whose goodness faileth never. I nothing lack if I am his, and he is mine forever. Where streams of living water flow, my ransomed soul he leadeth. And where the verdant pastures grow with food celestial feedeth. Perverse and foolish oft I strayed, but yet in love he sought me, and on his shoulder gently laid, and home rejoicing brought me. Amen. And with your spirit. Amen. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Alleluia. Ye watchers and ye holy ones, bright seraphs, cherubim, and thrones, raise the glad strain. Alleluia! Cry out dominions, princedoms, powers, virtues, archangels, angels, choirs. Alleluia! 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 Oh, higher than the cherubim, more glorious than the seraphim, lead their praises, Alleluia. Thou bearer of the eternal word, most gracious, magnify the Lord, Alleluia. 
Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. The prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee, through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, 